0: Hello, everyone. I hope you're doing well. We are back with another episode of Blitz Business. I hope you will enjoy this podcast. Hi, Shruti. Thank you so much for coming over to Blitz Business. It's a pleasure to have you.
1: Hi, Ashish. Thank you so much for having me over. It's on. It's truly an honor.
0: Wonderful. So, Shruti, tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll talk about your venture, Kaze.
1: So essentially, I worked as a consultant in the strategy and procurement space for three years. And, um, you know, coincidentally, all my clients were US and UK based um, food giants. So essentially, I had some background in uh, food supply chains and, uh, you know, like the whole ins and outs of global food systems. Uh, And after that, I worked in my family business for a couple of years. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur and Post that, I knew my partner, my co-founder, Anisha, since um, a couple of years, and we just came across hydroponics. So both of us were always like firm believers of, you know, having a healthy lifestyle, at least preach- in a way like we were preachers, if not followers. Like we were too interested in it. We uh, we We believed that, you know, there are numerous changes in our lifestyle that we have to sort of bring about in an urban setting so i myself i am a vegetarian and by choice even though i'm a jain and uh, essentially i realized that uh, i do not know of any single thing like any single brand in any uh, indian city that where which could be like a you know like a trusted place for me to source healthy stuff from right like my i grew up in Karol Bagh, And uh, I grew up eating all sorts of street food and junk. And, you know, it it has a very special place in my heart. But after like, you know, my uh, experience being a consultant in the food space and all those different ideologies and beliefs that I sort of grew up with, it sort of became a calling. So we started Kaze Living and uh, yeah, here we are.
0: So what is Kaze Living all about? In one line, if you want to tell to our listeners, what is Kaze Living?
1: Okay, in one line, what it has now evolved to be is a sustainable curated marketplace, a one stop shop for chemical free preservative free foods that are good for you for the body for the environment.
0: So uh, do you also have your own brands?
1: Yes. So essentially, I mean, all the fresh produce is under our own brand umbrella. We have also launched our brand of kombucha recently.
0: Okay, so what was the reason for sort of you mentioned what Kaze is doing now. It's more like a marketplace. What was the reason from transitioning from your selling your own brand to building a marketplace? for such products
1: so essentially what happened was that we uh, started in around late october 2019 we were just recently introduced to hydroponics we had visited our state-of-the-art hydroponic farm growing berries etc that's now our partner farm also and uh, we were totally sold you know we were like this is the future of urban farming and we have to do something about it like great produce doesn't ever you know like we never get access to such great produce even in the most premium supermarkets like food hall and modern bazaar so that was our first step so initially when we launched it was just greens right it was just hydroponic greens we we didn't even have a website we we did this through like a uh, like a type form right people would (laughs) sign up for whatever they wanted we would call them we would supply the greens to them we would take their feedback and we, in this way, because it was not just like a form that you fill to buy what you want, it was a whole mm-hmm. form where, you know, like we everyone put in all their details who, why are they buying, uh, what do they like, what do they not like, like a whole customer profile. We ended up collecting a lot of data. And so mm. then we revamped as Cars Living in Jan 2020. And for the first three months, even though we were still doing fresh produce, mostly hydroponics and some organic vegetables, we wanted to build a a like a, just a farm-to-fork company, right? Where we uh, bring in the best produce to your doorstep across the city and build a trusted brand. But then once COVID hit, our trajectory completely changed. Because number one, mm-hmm. we made sure that we were operational. So we hustled, we tried everything mm-hmm. uh, that we could possibly to make sure that we were still delivering to our customers. So, now that we had our infrastructure in place, right, and people knew that we were operational and we were able to service them, it just, it became like a demand supply thing. So, we were getting requests from customers saying that, hey, why don't you have this? Why don't you have that? And at the same time, we were being approached by brands who were saying that, listen, why don't you stock our breads? Why don't you stock our dips? Because they go very well with your products, right? We were supplying our produce, like let's say the basil, to a certain brand that was using it to make pesto so they were like why don't you you know uh, stock our pesto um, because it would go very well with whatever your customers make so that was the first step then in our in the in this journey And uh, we onboarded a couple of brands, and we sort of started talking their products. And from there, we realized that this is great, right? I mean, then anything and everything that's artisanal, small batch, handcrafted, preservative-free falls into our mood because the target demographic is the same. Ultimately, the ideology still remains the same that we want to have to bring. Uh, a healthy, Mm -hmm. wholesome lifestyle. Like, you know, uh, you can indulge without any guilt. You can, uh, we Mm want to make it easy for you to lead a healthy lifestyle, make good food choices.
0: So it came out of necessity to shift to new sort of a business model of a marketplace. So, uh, Shruti, if you can tell us a little bit in terms of what is hydroponics, you know, I'm sure people would be interested in knowing the details around hydroponics.
1: Of course. So essentially, uh, hydroponics, very simply put, is soilless farming right so um and just to get into like one step back why soilless simply because in an urban setting through decades of overuse the land has been compromised the water table has been compromised right one of my friends works in the organic farming space and there are still many loopholes to organic farming in the sense that let's say you know on a piece of land, you might not have used any chemical fertilizers, but the water that you're using is already leached with those metals because uh, the farm next door might be using something. Right. So we knew about all of that. And then so when you remove soil, you're able to create a much more controlled environment.
0: But isn't it different in terms of the soil has different properties, right? And in hydroponics, if you're just using water, I mean, I'm sure there must be some no, so level of
1: nutrients to the water. So the water, through the water, you're using water soluble nutrients because the plant needs those nutrients to grow, right? Though You're using natural sunlight. I mean, that's the one that we use in indoor farming. You use LEDs. So you're using natural sunlight, you're using RO-filtered water, uh, RO-purified water, you're using non-GMO seeds, and you're putting the nutrients in the water channel, and you're recycling that water over and over. So ultimately, you end up producing four to six times the produce much faster in the same footprint of land while saving 90 percent water and making sure that no chemical or pesticide goes into that produce so of course it cannot be replicated for all kinds of produce like anything that grows in soil cannot be grown this way and i also get this flack a lot from the industry that you know organic gives back to the soil hydroponic does not honestly we at casa living we are not against one or the other so we don't pit like one method against the other but we know the pros and cons of both and so that's why whenever we are looking at organic produce then we work with cooperatives in uttarakhand to bring that to delhi because honestly i i mean you know it's it's you try and get the best from wherever it, its closest at any point we we strive to uh, lower our carbon footprint as much as possible
0: wonderful so how does unit economic work in a farm to fork modeling if you have hydroponic farms collaboration with hydroponic farms is the current model viable what what from your experience till now
1: so if you're talking from a like a customer point of view in terms of the cost of production and at mm-hmm. what rate it sells in the market um let's so i'll tell you this that at A big scale commercial level farming, right? Uh, Like what you see in the West uh, with companies like Bowery or Plenty, they have now uh, uh, been successful in bringing down the MRP to the same level that a traditionally grown same product would have, right? Almost like a max plus five to 10%, right? Which the customer is willing to pay. In India, it's going to take a while. Right, because that Mm -hmm. cost of production goes down with economies of scale, but at the same time, right now, uh, uh, to begin with, we are not targeting the regular consumer, we are targeting the top one percent who is willing to pay that extra premium for the quality and the variety and the freshness that they get, which they would honestly not get in a regular supermarket. So, for example, I mean, now the market's evolving very fast, but essentially. We are one of those top few startups in the country doing living hydroponic produce with zero plastic packaging. Now, what this essentially means for the customer is that your produce is harvested the same day, it uses no plastics, so there are no microplastics leached into your food, and it's completely safe for you, right? yes you might right now it's a it, it could be anywhere between uh a 2x to a 4x multiple than the market but then that market when when i say the market it's literally the monday rate or the rate that you get at a Telawala. wala right it's not mm-hmm. the, but if you compare it to let's say a supermarket like a, a premium supermarket it's it's very much comparable it's uh hardly like a 10 to 20 percent differential and if you are a subscriber it's much cheaper than going to a supermarket so so it depends you know like exactly what product you're looking at what quality what grade and how frequent is your purchase
0: interesting so let's okay so uh, let's take a step back and let's try to look from the supply chain, f- supply chain from customer perspective. Mm. So how do you currently do your deliveries? Currently, are you operational only in Delhi, NCR? Do you do uh, Pan India? What is your current uh, footprint in terms of channels which you're utilizing to sell your product and in what all territories?
1: Uh, we realized after COVID that Delhi is a much bigger market then we, you know, like, it's it it it's limitless for us right now. So before COVID, we were thinking that we want to be in Mumbai and then Bangalore ASAP. But now, so basically to answer your question, currently we are only present in Delhi NCR. The produce will not be, I mean, the standards that we maintain, we will not be able to ship it across the country, nor do the logistics cost and all make sense because it would have to be a cold chain. So in this case, We are planning to start the delivery of gourmet products, which are your packaged products across the country very soon. Yes. But uh, for produce, it will have to be uh, within the city. So we are present all across NCR, uh, each and every pocket. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so all the sales currently uh, go through our own website, which is the D2C platform.
0: Okay. And how do you plan to provide produce at Pan India level? Because certainly there is this element you need to be near to the farm, if uh, I'm correct, right? To be able to provide the quality, to be able to provide quality produce within the stipulated time timeline of delivery, whatever.
1: Us to move into to another city, like to expand to other cities would essentially mean that either we open another farm or we use existing farm infrastructure to, you know, get the produce there. So... So it's, it's you know, but essentially we can't ship the produce from Delhi to Mumbai without compromising on quality and freshness. So that's what, and to be honest, to our advantage, farms are cropping up across the country, very, you know, interesting pace. So our plans, to be honest, are not limited by farm infrastructure. And we, we on the other hand, see our expertise as someone like, You know, we've we've worked with different kinds of products, different kinds of supply chains, bringing them all together, understanding now the kind of different customer demographic segments that we target, uh, how to really uh, target and position ourselves. So we do see that once we are ready to expand to other cities, it would not be as hard and it would not be that much of a learning curve.
0: Okay, and Shruti, in terms of it's a very interesting mix you have because building a marketplace of curated items or products versus uh, trying to sell or scale your own produce or your own brands, it's a little it's a little different task. But what is your idea or plan in terms of where do you see uh, moving forward to promote to position as a marketplace first like how is your how how are your uh, priorities aligned
1: so i'll tell you what in we are a very young startup right It's it's just been over a year and in this one year we've come across so many obstacles and challenges and we've seen the vision like the trajectory of our startup evolve a lot right and if you were to ask me what we are trying to build as of now right uh, we would, I would say we're trying to build like an online version of the Whole Foods of India.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. So Interesting.
1: so essentially, yeah, like a, someone, uh, one of our partner uh, brands that we work with and um, amazing, like who knew that one day we're going to have Indian ales. But if you go to our website, you're going to have beautiful ginger ale concentrates, completely healthy and uh, preservative-free. So uh, I was speaking to them and uh, they told me about this fruit, if I remember correctly, something like Buddha's hand, right? That comes from the Northeast. And I was like, wow, if people just knew how nutritious it was and if we could somehow have like a You know, efficient supply chain to get it to the market and build enough bars to sell it and see how it works. That would be great. Like, you know, I I always love doing experiments like that. And at scale, something like this would be truly possible and easy. So uh, that's what we envision.
0: Coming, coming back to the supply chain perspective, okay, we are, so Kaza Living is sort of positioned in a D2C segment, uh, selling directly from the website. How do you acquire new customers or what is your repeat rate currently? What are your different strategies, like two parts? How how are you acquiring, how do you go about acquiring customers and uh, what does your repeat rate look like currently?
1: Initially, we, um, I mean, uh, from the get-go, to create Buzz, we relied on uh, paid campaigns Right. Just that uh, after COVID, when, you know, the Instagram space became less crowded and our ROI on ads shot up, we tried many different things. So overall now to acquire customers, we do paid ads. We do our organic marketing through Instagram, through emails, through WhatsApp. We have, uh, we actually have a very robust WhatsApp community now that we've uh, very diligently, very uh, through a lot of hard work and uh, community engagement, um, you know, built up over the months. And in terms of retention, I would say that um, we sort of bifurcate it in two ways. Number one, when it comes to subscribers, and subscribers make a chunk of our. Uh, I mean, I would say around fifty-five percent or fifty percent of Uh, the new customers that come in, come uh, join as subscribers. So they might be existing customers that uh, became subscribers or they just like, you know, join as subscribers through word of mouth. And because we have very different subscription models, like one of our most recent subscription models was inspired by Swiggy Super, right? Just an experiment to see appeals to people who want the most flexibility, who want to order a la carte at the time, you know, always, but at this time, you know, want to want to avail some benefits, right. So we keep launching like these pilots all the time. But essentially, um, uh, in terms of retention, I would say that we have a retention rate of uh, 70% overall. And yeah, we we aim to get it up because essentially the kind of a product mix we used to have in terms of greens and all. India at that time, I think, became more receptive after COVID. But at the same time, it doesn't come very naturally, very instinctively for people to, you know, make healthy habits and stick to them. So that's where I see a challenge in terms of retention that you always have to like, you know, keep things interesting, uh, while at the same time being consistent, right? I think that's key. And yeah, and apart from that to sort of drive awareness to, uh, you know, get new eyeballs, what you're trying to do is uh, uh, do more collaborations with partner brands with Uh, chefs uh, have more uh, experiences like we did we conducted India's first hydroponic farm tour on the 5th of December and it was a major success it was sold out within 10 days it was a very small event though and we were very paranoid because you know it was the first time we were (laughs) doing something like this uh, after COVID and we took a long time we did it in December and the next one is on February 20th so yeah very excited for that.
0: So uh, In your experience till now, which sort of platform, campaign, strategies has worked for you to acquire customers? Like you mentioned, you have used Instagram or WhatsApp, like what has been the most useful channel for you till now?
1: Honestly, the most uh, the channel that we wrongly underestimated and the channel that has worked really well has been WhatsApp. Right? I mean, Instagram is great to show people the potential of your products, how versatile they are, how pretty they can be, how easy cooking can be, you know, how to's, what's and why's, all of that. Instagram is great for that. Uh, But WhatsApp is great to you know, number one, understand your customer. Number two, um, sell to them in a very easy format. And we learned it the hard way. And uh, WhatsApp is great to track all this information as well, right? And now that WhatsApp would be launching WhatsApp Shop, everyone already has payments. As far as I'm aware, just that every time I tell them that, they don't believe me. And so I have to tell them to go check their app and they would realize that there's a payments option. You just have to integrate it in. So I, I feel that, you know, within, I don't know, it could be five days or five months, but there's going to be a boom in a, in a matter of seconds. The moment people realize that they have WhatsApp Pay now and they can sort of integrate it because shopping would then become so easy. We saw so many startups that came up during the pandemic, the the lockdown, uh, you know, like home chefs who started their kitchens in their in society apartments, this, this boom of social commerce, like the, the, the idea always existed, but we saw that boom of social commerce in India uh, during the pandemic. And... I think now with WhatsApp shop, with the sort of a customer care, like we, we use this software um, the other day, B from Happy Jazz was asking me about it. It's called Wati. It's made customer care using WhatsApp extremely easy and efficient for us. We have these, um, you know, automatic notifications that go out anytime, like, uh, you know, when someone makes a purchase on our website, they get an automatic notification. So, uh, you know, that kind of customer experience that, a, that that a person demands out of a good brand right now, I think WhatsApp mm-hmm. is making it seamless. So it's great to acquire, to activate new customers, to acquire them, to give them a seamless, uh, you know, uh, uh, experience and for follow-up and, like, feedback as well. So I think... So-
0: yeah. So sorry how does it work in terms of how do you acquire customer through WhatsApp I mean uh, there are campaign like I'm not aware of that particular ecosystem how does it work how do you acquire customer through WhatsApp
1: not acquired in that sense because you need to have someone's number first to mm-hmm. reach out to them right. but like let's say you have leads right let's say you did mm. some lead activation like a lead generation campaign and you got a bunch of numbers from uh, you know from that campaign now it's it's a great way to really like you know get into that person's oh, conversational right. space activate them in the right manner and, mm-hmm. you know, because honestly, if I ask you to go to my website, right, I send you a message on WhatsApp, I ask you to go to my website, and then mm-hmm. place an order, versus I tell you, listen, I have all of this, maybe you have seen my website, maybe you haven't. But in the comfort of your home, you know, like, like, WhatsApp is a very comfortable space, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to try two things, it's a very easy way to come to sort of um, convert an impulse purchase. Someone's just written three hmm. words, they've ordered something and there you go, you have an order with zero marketing spend.
0: Wow, I think uh, definitely we will be seeing some interesting play around the launch of Geomart on WhatsApp or opening up of different, different such transaction. Because definitely, as you said, it's frictionless and it's it has this aura of comfort, right? Yes. You just need to uh, punch in. And uh, the
1: infrastructure is already in place now. It's not like something that we've bought. If that mm-hmm. boom's just about to happen anytime
0: so it makes sense in terms of um, instagram is more for lo- uh, let's say lead generation but to really drive the sales can we say whatsapp is the place to be once you have uh, uh, your product visibility on instagram but the sales Will be sort of so little futuristic question. I'm asking, I would want
1: to place my bets. So, honestly, during the pandemic, we really mm-hmm. uh, sort of like you know scoffed at WhatsApp that this is for can't you know order on a website. But honestly, as we got to know our customers better, we realized that even for someone who's very tech savvy. Ordering on WhatsApp is just typing a few words. So in that way, you know, WhatsApp shop already supports a catalog and everything. And to be honest, right now, even though like we are not using a lot of those features very well, but I sound like an ambassador. But I (laughs) do feel that it is going to become extremely mainstream, like how Instagram shop uh, hasn't officially launched in India, but Mm. you will still see a lot of brands uh, using Instagram shop right the same way i think um, yeah it's going to be it's going to be one of those uh, uh, very efficient tools for any small business to sort of launch without you know too much investment
0: and as you said it's a good way for an impulsive sale everyone is on whatsapp right yeah. <laughs> most of the time yeah. so shruti uh, you mentioned uh, different different challenges i i, I know you are uh, one-year-old startup but yeah. if you want to list out let's say your top two or top three challenges when you started your journey what would it be
1: all my challenges are intertwined with my lessons so i'll probably be peppering that in but essentially like uh, one challenge so i'm i'm just 27 years old and um, you know i i used to have my own small team while i was working as a consultant and then in my family business but essentially you know uh Doing your own hiring and um training your own like you know team uh and sort of developing your own uh team culture, I think that's very challenging um it taught me a lot it taught me a lot about me who I am what I believe in what are my leadership what is my leadership style um so yeah, that was one of my key challenges. And I realized that it's always very important to sort of uh, set the precedent or like, you know, uh, show the way. So as cliche as it sounds, I think it goes a long way. Because if you are not ready to get your hands dirty, which in uh, which in the like a fresh produced space, they always get uh, dirty you 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 know you really can't expect someone else to do that and at at every level of the hierarchy like not just someone whom i would hire to let's say you know be my operations guy or be my social media manager if i'm talking about my staff that does the packaging right like uh the first manager uh that we hired uh he was very hesitant in doing uh you know work that might require a little manual labor, right? Mm-hmm. And during, like, you know, during the pandemic, like, you anyway need to have very small teams so you can't have, like, extra people doing work that some might not, someone might not want to do. So we do everything. Like, you know, during the pandemic, uh, like, the actual lockdown, um, we made this promise to our customers that only one person would touch your greens with all safety precautions in place to actually make that happen right i would do everything i would do the packaging i would get like you know with every like your all safety gear in place i would make sure because i can take my guarantee i can take someone else's right so um one person would do the entire packaging for the whole for all orders going out every single day. It was maddening. And when my, uh, you know, like uh, you know, I because when I couldn't travel to the office space to because you know there were some restrictions in the area that I lived in, my new hire who had just been with us for five days, he had to step in, and that way, like you know. Everything grew very fast, and everyone learned exponentially. And the second challenge that we faced was, which was more of like you you could say a sh- a shortcoming that we learned from, is that mm-hmm. in a customer focused uh, industry, like this is a very customer oriented, mm-hmm. like a you know a brand, uh, don't just get feedback. Know your customer. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you get feedback, but what you fail to realize is that the customer also might not know what they want, you know. The customer not necessarily always knows what it wants. They just have sometimes ideas of what they would like to have, like, you know, some intangible concepts. But Mm -hmm. you really need to understand where your customer is coming from, what's their family background, what do they appreciate, what do they value, uh, you know, are they price sensitive, like, you know. If you were to make like a customer case study, only then would you realize that what they're saying, does it actually apply? And maybe during that whole conversation, you would get a better idea that would take your business 10 times forward. So that's something that we realized, which has now shaped our subscriptions in a big way.
0: Uh, very interesting it's it's equivalent to if i can say so so steve job believed you know he he had the philosophy wherein he says customer doesn't know what they want right so he didn't believe in focus group etc uh so yeah, uh, very interesting <laughs> yeah yeah so very interesting and the first point which you mentioned in terms of uh, working at startup definitely uh one has to wear multiple hats you have to be multitasker because uh, when you're just starting out even in the teams as founders uh you got to get your hand dirty and in your case it, you definitely have to get your hand dirty yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, great. Uh, so, uh, Shute, so what is the current scenario of your funding? Uh, have you raised any funds or do you plan to raise funds soon? So what's the status on that?
1: So we have raised some funds in the past few months uh, from angel investors and we mm-hmm. are, uh, so that was a couple of months back uh, and now we are looking to raise a fresh round. Uh, to be honest, uh, you know, startups that are growing at breakneck speed are always looking for funds. And uh, currently, though, we're still targeting Delhi as the space that we want to expand our presence in. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, to cut my answer short, yes, we are looking to fundraise in the near future.
0: OK. And in terms of the capital requirement, where do you foresee most of the space? pending likely to go in what aspect of it uh, building supply chain marketing i mean sure there will be but what is the topmost uh,
1: for an e-commerce uh, uh, marketplace um, that's now looking to um, you know expand its skus uh, uh, exponentially uh, we now need to invest in tech a lot right Uh, because Mm. we have complicated supply chains in place. And to be honest, for a long time, we were just doing everything manually. I would say a good chunk of the money would be spent in tech, uh, in marketing, and also then we would use uh, a part of it to expand to another city as well.
0: Well, I just have a very one curious question. Mm -hmm. So when you partner, with different brands so for example any other brand selling xyz stuff they already have certain presence certain number certain number of users yeah. which they are catering to right but when they approach you and you're doing a partnership isn't there a fear uh, on the mind of a brand because all the then the sales number will be sort of transitioning through you instead of there. I mean, they. if some brand has built a presence into the market for last four, five years selling directly, I mean, that's the model, right? D2C, you're selling directly through different, different channels. But um, do they have this sort of fear? I'm, I, I have absolutely no idea. I could be totally wrong.
1: Your approach is valid, but essentially uh, it assumes that the market is limited, right? Um, hmm. Whereas, Think of it as a win-win situation. I have, I at Casa Living have um, an existing customer base. Let's take your brand and you might also have an existing customer base. There might Mm -hmm. be overlaps, but maybe my platform makes the customer, makes it easier for the customer in in some way or the other. Let's say next day delivery, let's say, you know, they're able to buy all, all the things that they need at one place. Right. So there are multiple places where a customer shops. Some people like going to a store and shopping. Some people like going to an organic marketplace or like a you know an artisanal marketplace and shopping. Someone likes to go to a farmer's market. Someone likes to, I don't know, um, buy directly from the brand online. So ultimately there are these different channels. And if I was a brand, uh, if I were a brand, I would want to be everywhere. So, because essentially, number one, your brand presence increases and uh, number two, it's more of a win-win situation. So, if someone mm-hmm. tomorrow finds it easier to buy from Cars Living versus on the brand's website, maybe the retention and the stickiness would, inc- would improve, mm-hmm. right? So, there are like different pros uh, and honestly, because it's a growing market, all these brands find themselves posi- positioned in categories where these category spaces are growing very fast. So instead of thinking that, okay, you know what, if I list myself at 10, 10 different places, my sales from my platform are going to decrease. Instead, they're like, okay, I'm going to get 10x the, foot, the, the eyeballs and my sales overall would increase. So because, uh, you know, your fulfillment costs are also something that you have to sort of, um, uh, you know, um, think of. So in the sense that, uh, let's say, if you are giving me a certain uh, margin to, you know, um, get your product to the customer's doorstep, I'm taking care of the operations fulfillment, I'm taking care of the logistics, I'm taking care of the surface and the after sales, you know, uh, anything that's required. So a lot of that that chunk, so then the, pr- then the brand can just focus on developing the product and, you know, um, we can focus on bringing it to the market. So to give you an example, it's not like always applicable, but for example, uh, there's this brand that we work with. It's called uh, Paul and Mike. It's a bean to bar brand from Co- uh, from Kochi, and their chocolates mm-hmm. are absolutely exceptional. Now uh, they are so good at uh, you know creating new varieties, new uh, new flavors, and you know they're they're very very uh, experimental that way. And so they partnered with us to launch Paul and Mike chocolates uh, online in Delhi. And so they were they were already present at Food Hall, at Modern Bazaar, etc. But they partnered with us to create an online sales presence for them in Delhi. And so we this that was our first marketing collaboration, and many others followed after that. And we found it to be a very successful model to sort of launch a brand, you know, do the whole brand storytelling and create that space for them for the for the customer base. So even though Someone who goes to their website and orders directly, you know, uh-huh. will still get the same product. But with us, let's say, you know, they, they get it the next day. They actually get to know through the, through the ads, through the content that we curate that what Paul and Mike actually stands for. And, you know, it's, it's like an ever-expanding market. So there's no, you know, like we are, we are cannibalizing on their sales or vice versa.
0: Mm-hmm. interesting it's an interesting play for sure i think and how does the price look uh it's the same you go to the website yeah. of the
1: to be honest yeah. in e-commerce you always have to maintain price parity the mm-hmm. moment you don't um mm-hmm. some price customer uh sensitive customers would point it out and to be honest it's not fair as well right mm.
0: right shruti what are your uh i mean we discussed a little bit uh in the beginning of the conversation uh the uh, your future plans in terms of how you're looking at. Uh, but what is, uh, from your current view, uh, how are things looking? I mean, uh, you want to definitely grow the marketplace for sure, build more brands, collaborations. But anything else you have in mind, any other adjacencies you want to tap into? Um,
1: so um, to be very specific, uh, yes um after covid the awareness and acceptance for healthy gourmet products has increased so uh, we find uh, we have like different avenues different aspects that we can cater to to get to the customer and uh, provide them an experience but at the same time i feel that not uh, we want to delve into a space, more of a lifestyle experience thing. And this is something that we've started with the hydroponic farm tours. Uh, We don't just want to limit ourselves to, you know, selling products, whatever that product might be. We are mm. now trying. And, you know, when I say trying, that's because we are experimenting, we are ideating, we are brainstorming. Uh, we want to get more into, you know, um, like working with chefs, working with dietitians, working with fitness experts uh, to to create and provide, facilitate a more wholesome experience for the urban consumer. So uh, this could be done through workshops, like uh, we've just started this or maybe you'll I think today is, th- is uh, 3rd Feb. Or oh, maybe you can edit this, sorry. But yeah, uh, for example, we've just hired uh, a chef to collaborate with us. And whoever mm-hmm. orders from us, so again, this is a pilot, but whoever orders from us can basically avail a 30-minute or you know a-, a session with the chef who can guide you on how to create healthy meals with the produce that you've just bought, right? And sort of help you uh, uh create a, a nice indulgent dining experience uh, which is healthy and uh, you know easy uh hmm. that in that way we want to make a product accessible in people's minds because someone might buy something but not know how to use it and you know it's it's still overwhelming if the if the ingredient oh. is 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 uh, foreign in your mind hmm. so hmm. we are trying to do all of that to sort of you know create Um, 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 a community, um, uh, an environment that makes it easier for you to make healthy choices rather than just selling products.
0: Right. Building that experience and that habit. Yes. (laughs) Wonderful. Wonderful. Great, Shruti. I think uh, to wrap it up, I wanted to ask you my favorite question. Might not be applicable here. You have been in business for only a year, but still, uh, (laughs) if you were to start again, Looking back now, uh, what would you have done differently?
1: That's a very tough question. <laughs> that I would have been exactly what I said earlier. That I would have been more, let's say, um, I would have communicated more. I would hmm. have been more open with myself. Uh, with my goals I would have visualized my goals I would have set lofty goals because honestly a lot of them came true in the past few months Um, Mm. uh, you know we got some tremendous PR without spending a penny and ever thinking of doing so because uh, simply, you know, we were very fortunate enough to get, uh, to have people come our way and opportunities come our way um, so yeah you you visualize your goals you never think that uh, something is beyond your approach you communicate more with yourself with your team and be more aggressive I believe that um, you know because to be honest, like once a plan becomes clear in your head you have that clarity, you're able to You know, uh, break those steps down and things that path just becomes more easier for you. So initially, if I if I knew all of that, I would just know that, okay, if I want something, I'll speak to 10 people. And to be honest, people in this industry are very, very welcoming. So, uh, you know, you get all the help that you need. You ask for it and your journey becomes much, much easier. So had I known this, we would have done this like all the learnings that I got during the pandemic, the lockdown. If I, if I knew all of this before, maybe my trajectory would have been much faster. Uh,
0: so aggressiveness will be definitely your key thing to go. Yeah. Once the plan is definitely there, like, or the other way, like the product market fit is sort of you have established and then you just want to scale. Right. Great, great, great. Thank you so much, Shruti, uh, for your time. I think it's an excellent space you are in and you're doing some uh, amazing work. Uh, I will definitely be on a lookout And we'll be closely watching this space for sure.
1: Thank you, Ashish. Thank you for all your uh, support. And yeah, we are lucky to be in this space. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, We'll be back with more interesting episodes soon. Stay tuned.